If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk radio. And I am your host, Todd Huff, as always. Well, since the email change, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show, should you want to connect with us on Facebook as well, watch the program live or on demand Confirm for yourself that I have Yes A Face for radio. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. So look, last night, my wife and I were flipping through the the television, flipped over to CNN. I like to do that occasionally when I want some uh, a little bit of entertainment, maybe to get the blood, uh, blood pressure raised a little bit or just for – just to see what's going on in the other – uh, in the other part of the world, I guess. And I think I had seen this, but I didn't think a whole lot about it. But I saw, I saw that there were some town halls, right? Town hall, I guess is what you call these things. These things have become ridiculous. They have two chairs up there. No one sits down in these chairs. Everyone stands up. Anderson Cooper was with Bernie Sanders. Um, Aaron, I forget her last name. Oh, what is it? Burnett. 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 Or Brunette. Burnett. That's Burnett. <laughs> Aaron Burnett uh, was up there with Pete Boot Edge Edge. I didn't see Amy Klobuchar. That's too late for me. I think she was the third in line. But they got these chairs up there. It's just such an awkward setting because the host stands up when the candidate stands up. And he's kind of off to the side and... Of course, Bernie. Bernie's up there railing on whatever Bernie's railing on. So I watched a little bit of this and wanted to share uh, share some things with you on that. Tonight is the Democrat debate in ne- uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, or for President Trump, Nevada. And polling is coming out. Polling is coming out showing that Bernie has a pretty firm lead and everyone else uh, is basically – Pretty bunched up together, um, and then Klobuchar's uh, f- behind that group. So, in fact, what I'm looking at here shows Bernie at 27, Biden at 15, Bloomberg and my cousin Liz at 14, 13 is Pete Boot Edge Edge, and uh, Amy Klobuchar coming in at a 7% on the poll. So, that debate will be held tonight. Bloomberg will be on the debate stage. No word yet as to whether or not he will be standing on a step stool 
or a box, as Trump, as Trump likes to say. Uh, many, it went from mini Mike to just mini. I noticed in a tweet that he sent out yesterday, Trump, yesterday or the day before, it went from mini Mike to just mini. Mini um, now is going to be taking the stage for the first time in this uh, debate process. Um, and the problem is he's not – look, he's not on – He's not on the ballot in Nevada. He's not on the ballot in South Carolina. He wasn't on the ballot in Iowa or New Hampshire. I wonder if this sort of thing is going to come back and bite him if he becomes the nominee. Because, again, I might have said this yesterday. I know I said this somewhere. It might have been on the – I get interviewed on, on Tuesdays on another program, and I, I might have mentioned it there. I might have mentioned it here as well. But I just can't imagine going – to these states in the general election with Trump out there traveling these states as well. Trump telling folks on Twitter in interviews or wherever Trump is at, at rallies. You know, I can see him now. Many Mike's out here trying to get the votes of those of you in the great state of Iowa. Wouldn't even, didn't even think it was worth his time to be on your ballot he skipped, deliberately skipped your, your state. This guy has tons of money. I don't know what the big deal was. Surely he could have gotten a grassroots, so-called grassroots organization in place in time for Iowa, in time for New Hampshire, in time for Nevada, in time for South Carolina. Instead, this guy is going to spend $124 million in ads on Super Tuesday, not caring about any of the states before Super Tuesday. Now, South Carolina is almost certainly a Republican state in the general election. Of course, who knows in this world, but uh, South Carolina should go to Trump regardless. But New Hampshire is a state that could go either direction. Iowa is a state that could go any direction. Nevada is a state that could go any direction. So wouldn't it be fitting? Wouldn't it be fitting of Bloomberg, if he is the nominee here, if he can buy the nomination as Pete Buttigieg told us last night in this town hall on CNN, if he won the nomination, Bloomberg, wouldn't it be fitting if he lost the race because of the, well, his lack of concern and care for people in the state of, in the states that I've, I've mentioned. Plus factor into that, Iowa, a farming state, right? Iowa's, there's farmers, of course, I think of, of, of South Carolina as well. There's farmers everywhere, but you you look at the things he said about farmers and Bloomberg, Mini Mike out there t- telling us how to farm. He could teach anybody to farm. Farming, Bloomberg thinks, is for a bunch of dunces. Farming, Bloomberg thinks, is just a repetitive process. Excuse me, a re- repetitive processes. The super smart Bloomberg doesn't know when to use a singular or plural. But anyway, he thinks it's about digging holes, dropping seed in it, and then I guess standing there with a watering can and watering it. Anyway, so this is all shaping up. Tonight is, a, I guess, a big step forward towards what's going to happen here in in Nevada. And it looks like, Bernie, the, the polling I had read earlier, just to clarify, is, is national polling. But um, Bernie still looks to be in good shape in Nevada. But again, all bets are off. And as we shared yesterday, there's concerns about whether or not the Democrat Party can keep things together in the state of Nevada, if there's going to be a repeat of something similar to what we've seen in Iowa, which, by the way, they have a re-canvassed Iowa, boot edge edge, it still 
maintains a small lead over Bernie. This could go on forever, um, for all we know. But right now, Judge still maintains a lead in, in Iowa. And technically, uh, because of that, um, uh, a lead in delegates collected to date. So let's look at some of the things that were talked about last night in this town hall. I actually saw this part. I'm looking at a a piece on CNN summarizing the great town halls that they had last night. One of the questions were, one of the questions was, what do you do with Bloomberg's money? I saw them, I saw them ask, I saw Aaron Burnett ask Pete Buttigieg this question. First of all, she said, is he trying to buy the election? And Boot Edge Edge says, yes. I mean, what else? I'm reading this now. What else can you call it? What else do you call it when you dip into your endless reserves of millions and billions and don't go through the process of campaigning? Or if Bloomberg prefers, the processes of campaigning. He went on to call that the idea that Bloomberg skipped the first four states obscene. And, of course, that, yes, he was trying to buy the presidency. However, when he was asked if he would accept Bloomberg's money, he said he said he would. He would accept Bloomberg's money, which is interesting. See, to me, I, I look at this, and, and this is – there's two ways of – well, there's at least two ways of looking at this. First is you look at this and you think, heaven help us. This cast of characters, Sanders, Biden, Bloomberg, Warren, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, all have a chance of being president of this nation. All three of – all six of those, I should say, have a chance of being president with a Democrat House and Nancy Pelosi at the helm. All six of those have a chance not only of having a Democrat House, but possibly – Possibly, although it's going to be a difficult row to hoe here, so to speak. Uh, since Michael Bloomberg's a farmer, I thought we would use that that old saying to make him feel at home. But we have the possibility of having a Democrat president, <clears throat> a Democrat House, and a Democrat Senate. I don't think that's super likely, but it is it is possible, and you can point to. You can point to seats. You can point to uh, certain bits of evidence right now to suggest that that could that could happen. It's not likely. I'm not predicting that. I don't. I don't get into the business of predicting a lot of this stuff. Um, I will, however, predict <laughs> some of the the movements that we see. The what they're trying to accomplish. The things that are going on behind closed doors. The things that they are going to do, no matter who is elected president of the United States, the things that they're going to try to get away with and so forth. But Buttigieg, right? Put yourself in, in Buttigieg's position. Boy, that's a tongue twister or a mouthful, I should say. So if he's going to win the nomination, he's got to secure, he's got to secure the majority, the vast majority of the establishment vote. The establishment is saying, look, we don't want a socialist we don't want a guy that's going to scare away our big money donors. And by the way, there are lots of big money donors in the Democrat Party. They act like only the only people that 
big money donors support are Republicans, which is nonsense. It's gibberish and nonsense. That's simply not the case. And so they've got a guy up there that's basically demonizing everybody that's got any money, and they're worried about that about how that's going to affect the establishment side, the traditional, well, not the historical liberal in the sense of, you know, historical liberal meant basically what conservative means today. When you look at someone who believes in limited, limited government and liberty and so forth, that's historical liberal. In modern times, that term is meant uh, basically maybe uh, many socialists, so to speak. Today, it means outright socialists. They were okay with this idea that they were going to be uh, taking people's money and giving it to other people through social programs to a degree. But to come out and to flatly outright demonize the wealthy, the ultra-wealthy, the uber-wealthy, they're not the, the establishment's not down with that. They need them. They need them to compete. They need them to support campaigns. They need them to help them get their message out so as to deceive the American voter into thinking their stupid ideas are actually really good. So anyway, this is what's uh, what's happening here. And and Buttigieg, in saying he would take the money from Bloomberg, actually, in my estimation, is really reassuring the establishment that I'm your guy. I'm not going to take this thing completely off the rails. I understand the mechanism by which we win elections. I understand the importance of money. Yes, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to say a degree of what Bernie says, says Buttigieg. I'm going to say a little bit of this, but I'm not going to go full, you know, complete socialist. That's I'm going to leave that to Bernie and to my cousin, Todd's cousin Liz, uh, Buttigieg might say. And so that was part of that answer, and he's trying to solidify that that middle ground because right now, when you've got when you've got all these folks, Biden, Bloomberg, and Buttigieg, between the the three of those, that's roughly I'm looking at national polling here, twenty eight and fourteen, forty two percent, forty two percent, and you could actually throw Klobuchar in there. So about half the Democrat. Uh, primary voter, the Democrat Party, the individual Democrat who would be voting in these elections, about half of them are picking a so-called establishment, I don't want to call it moderate, just traditional liberal Democrat, big spender, but not outright socialist. And so if you can if you can get that base, you could theoretically be at 50% or darn close to it. And then you've got to battle Sanders. And at this point, it looks like it's a Roughly, a, I mean, close to a 50-50 proposition um, regarding who's going to, I guess, wrestle control from the other uh, of the Democrat Party. So anyway, I want to go through a couple more things with this debate last night, looking at an article here at CNN summarizing um, a few of the things that I saw and heard, but also some of the things that I didn't see that I just looked at and read about this morning. So We'll talk about this when we get back, but I've got to take a time out. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute.
talking about this series of town hall meetings that took place last night on CNN, America's most trusted name in news. <laughs> oh, give me a break. But we had – I'm guessing you missed these last night. And so that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to to talk about this today is because I'm pretty sure you didn't sit and watch these. Maybe you caught bits and pieces. Maybe you thought the last thing I want to do is flip CNN on my television. I don't even know if I get CNN uh, on my cable or satellite plan or Hulu. I don't even know if I have it. You might be in that category, and I don't necessarily blame you. But I do. I'm a glutton for punishment. So I watch CNN, MSNBC, from time to time, news on MSNBC and Bernie Sanders here in just a bit as well. But anyway, talking about a few things that we learned last night in this um, discussion, these town hall meetings, Buttigieg was asked about uh, Donald Trump and his, well, his comments and Rush uh, Limbaugh's comments about Buttigieg uh, being a, uh, you know, being in a same-sex marriage and whether or not America was ready, uh, ready to elect um, the first openly gay and, you know, uh, in a uh, same-sex marriage president. Rush says that America voters are not ready not ready to elect. I'm going to read what he said. Still not ready to elect. This is what Rush said. Still not ready to elect a gay guy kissing his husband on the debate stage is what Rush said. And so this was a topic of discussion last night. Uh, Trump said um, he's not uncomfortable with the idea of a gay president. But you know, and I think this is the larger point. This is why he's he's being asked about this because this there are going to be the the establishment has questions about this too. The establishment has questions as to whether or not this is something that Americans are prepared to, um, you know, to are they prepared to elect um, a president where you know there's no traditional first lady spouse? It's a different scenario. Is this is this what? Is, is America prepared to do this? And, and establishment types in the Democrat Party are asking this question. And you can ask this question without being homophobic or anything like that. This this is just a question. The question isn't whether the person asking it's homophobic. The question is whether the rest of America um, has a problem with this. And you're trying to make that determination. Um, and, and answering the question, Buttigieg points out or uh, reminds reminds Aaron Burnett. Sorry if I said it was Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper was doing the uh, the town hall with Bernie, crazy Bernie. <clears throat> and so Aaron Burnett was asking him about this, and, and Buttigieg says, look, I'm not really interested in talking about family values with these folks. If they want to talk about family values, let's debate it. I didn't have to send money, hush money, Hush, shh, hush, money uh, to a to a porn star to get her to not talk about the alleged affair that she had with Donald Trump, right? That's that's his you know that's what Buttigieg says. Look, I'm I don't have these problems. I don't need to take a a lecture, or listen to a lecture from Rush or Donald Trump about family values. Buttigieg says instead, I've you know I'm 
I'm in a committed marriage. I'm not the one cheating on my spouse with a porn star and sending money to hush them up, he says. And if they want to debate family values, then let's debate family values. He says he's ready to do that. But there are questions about this. There's questions about this. There's questions um, about how certain groups of the population would, would view this. And, you know, he's, these are questions that they're going to have to have to address. And this is one of the reasons I think that that question and the, um, the question of his overall experience, right? He's only 30, what is he, 38, I think. He doesn't have a lot of experience, either professionally or even, like, he's been mayor of South Bend, Indiana, which is, you know, I'm not putting that down at all, but that's a huge difference between, between that and being president of the United States. So that's where these questions, uncertainties, um, come up. Sanders is not going to release any more medical records. Sanders, who's had a heart attack back three months ago in late December, says that he's released three letters from physicians attesting to his good health, but look, he's not going to send out any more. Now, it's interesting to me um, the way that they've clamored for Trump's tax returns uh, why we shouldn't uh, want to see more medical records for Bernie Sanders, right? So that's out there as well. Klobuchar was out there talking about institutional racism. And look, so you, you didn't miss a whole lot. But what you do know, the the, the ideas, there's, there's a common thread. There's a common thread of ideas that you'll hear from all these candidates. Bernie, of course, takes it to the extreme, the, the farthest left that we've got on that stage. They all want to increase federal programs. They all want to uh, – they all think that they have the moral high ground over President Donald Trump. And I would maintain that the ideology that's being espoused, at least in the sense of true socialism, at least in the idea that – from the perspective that they're trying to justify – taking assets <clears throat> excuse me assets and resources and money from one taxpayer and give it to another that is not a moral activity they do not hold the moral high ground there when they're talking they don't talk much about that much about abortion quite yet but but I will say this they do not hold the moral high ground on the issue of abortion especially late term abortion how anyone in their right mind in the civilized world can stand for that once they truly know what that is, is beyond my wildest abilities to comprehend. That is pure evil stuff. <clears throat> they don't hold the moral high ground, but they think that they do. They talk in terms of solving all of America's problems through governmental efforts. The only thing in, in their minds the private sector really is there to do is fund the government. They always have a plan, my plan for this, my plan for that, to the point to where it's really laughable to the point of what we saw with, with Mayor Bloomberg telling us how he could teach people how to be farmers. Anybody, anybody to be a farmer. The guy's never touched a farming tool in his life. He's probably the only time he's set foot on a farm is for some photo op. The guy doesn't have the slightest idea, but yet he thinks, because he's a big government, a liberal elitist, that he can teach us about farming and probably every other thing. So that's what liberalism is. Whatever 
face and name an individual candidate it takes uh, it takes shape in and be, they become the front runner or the person that someone votes for it's the same thing now bernie takes that to the nth degree right bernie's ready to basically he's a half step away from wanting to make it illegal to be a millionaire or a billionaire so so he's he's on the extreme end but they all believe the government holds a solution they all believe that their ideas or what separates America from its next level of achievement, its next level of greatness, is just ideas embodied by these jokers on stage. That's where we are. And that's really, look, when you boil it down, the things that they talk about, it's the same same exact thing. Now, I do agree that a president can do great things for this country, but not in the sense uh, of having a plan on how to piece it together, micromanage it himself or herself. No, no, no. The better way is to say, let the free market act. Let it work. Let it do its thing. Let people live their lives. Let there be disagreements. We don't need to have a decree from Washington, D.C. telling people what to think, how to act, how to manage every situation in their lives. This is what it means to be free. This is the I guess the consequence of living in a free free republic, a free society. But that's not what you hear from them. They've got the answers. Their answers are not to step out of the way and let the free market provide a solution. Their answers are for some government program to step in and to take resources from the public by force, because that's what taxation is, and then say, we're going to give you a solution. It's a one-size-fits-all solution, and you're going to like it. Or you're going to shut up about it. And if it doesn't work, it's because it, was unf- it wasn't funded enough or we didn't have enough time to implement our perfect plan or whatever the case may be. That's what we see. That's what I see when I watch these things. Specifics aside, whether or not they take money from Bloomberg, what, whether or not they want to talk about something um, you know, with Trump and family values, I just see – one group of people that think that they have the answer for everything and that if Americans only trust them to make all these decisions and give them more more of their money to implement their policies and ideas, that we would be in a happier, better place. And that is, in my estimation, the furthest thing from the truth. And by the way, in the Constitution's estimation as well. Anyway, just in case you missed last night's silly debates – those are my thoughts. I'm not debates, town halls. Debate is tonight. So we'll probably talk about that tomorrow. But I've got to take a break here. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Saw this this morning. You may have seen this as well. Let's see. Let me get the right article pulled up here. Da, 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 where the heck is it? Here we go. Bloomberg. Bloomberg tells us that he is going to sell his company if he's elected president, or if not sell it, put it into a blind trust, which, of course, is meant to be I guess uh, the antithesis of what Trump is doing. 
I just, I have a fundamental, if the guy wants to do this, great. No problem with this. His decision. But this is, this is purely meant for optics. This is purely meant for optics. And so this is coming through his, uh, let's see, his advisor. His advisor was telling, uh, I don't know who he was talking to here. Oh, here we go. Christian Amanpour on Tuesday. Tim O'Brien. He says that he's going to be, Bloomberg, is going to be 180 degrees away from where Donald Trump is on these issues. The issue of selling selling his business to become president. I This is always, <laughs> uh, I don't want to say perplexed me, but just do we really believe, do we really believe that the founders expected a president of the United States to sell his or her business before assuming the role of president? Look, I understand where this is going because candidly, We've had a lot of corruption in, in politics over the course of many years and generations and so forth. There's been corruption. There's been people that have used their positions of power to do something uh, that personally you know, helps them out. Take, for example, I don't know, the Bidens in Ukraine. Take, for example, Rod Blagojevich, who tried to sell, think about this, sell the Obama Senate seat back in whatever that was, 2000, before Obama ran for for president. Tried to sell sell the, the seat. I mentioned that because um, Trump came in yesterday and announced that he was commuting the sentence of Rod Blagojevich. By the way, a Democrat. It's funny to me to watch this whole thing play out because – it, they act as though the crime here is committed by Trump. Trump's perfectly within his rights, within his powers to do this. Whether or not he should or shouldn't in this, uh, you know, commuting, commuting this sentence is, is another question. But Trump says, look, the guy, he, he's served long enough. It's an excessive sentence. He served seven years out of 14. He's not seen his kids. He's paid his price. I'm going to commute the sentence. And this is going to, you know, he's going to be released, right? And this, of course, is upset folks and Chris Saliza at CNN and so forth. But so there's obviously been corruption in politics. There's no surprise with that. That's not, <clears throat> you know, shouldn't be shocking or anything. But the idea, the idea that we should require our presidents to sign or to to sell over, to put their company into a blind trust, which you may be wondering what's a blind trust. I'm glad you asked because I looked this up this morning, the actual definition, and this is what it says. This is an investopedia.com. In a blind trust, the trustees have full discretion over the assets, and the trust beneficiaries theoretically have no knowledge of the holdings of the trust. Theoretically, the truster, that would be Bloomberg, initiates the trust and maintains the ability to terminate the trust – but otherwise exercises no control over the actions taken within the trust and receives no reports from the trustees while the blind trust is in force. So he could still own it, but someone else would be operating it. And, you know, the idea here, the idea here is to say, you know, the, the president in this case, if, if it was president, God forbid, President Bloomberg, we wouldn't be able to drink 
anything larger than a 16-ounce soda. But if we had a bl- if he had a blind trust, then he wouldn't necessarily know the inner workings of the business, the details. They would they would shield him from seeing that. But even then, I mean, even if Trump did this, put it in a blind trust, um, he still owns hotels. The idea that no one's going to use his hotel in, say, Washington, D.C., Trump, Trump International or whatever, if, if he's not going – the idea that no one's going to use that hotel, um, that, that's a foreign government representative or whatever – um, or someone that's it, – it's just – it's silly to think about. And the only way of looking at this for the left, the radical left, is that Trump's trying to squeeze money out of the federal government by you know, getting people to use his hotels for events and all this sort of stuff. I mean it's – we saw what happened to Trump's net worth the first couple of years in office. I think it just came back this past year to where it was when he took office. It's not like the guy has made himself wealthy off of this. And that, of course, is a problem. Getting wealthy off of so-called public service is a problem. But the guy already has a business. The business has been operating and successful before, before he serves as president. So this concept just seems a little bit a little bit foreign to me. I'm not saying it's it's a bad idea. I'm not saying that maybe someone couldn't do it as a way of showing that they don't want to engage in conflicts of interest. But this idea of having to sell your business because you're president and that it violates in some magical way the emoluments clause of the Constitution just seems like an incredible stretch to me. They've been going after Trump on this since day one. Now, Bloomberg, Bloomberg says he's going to do this through his advisor, to CNN's Christian Amanpour, and now he says, you know, we're either going to sell it or put it in a blind trust. We're not going to do what Trump's done. We're not going to try to get wealthy off of the, the federal government. Well, if he's interested in people that become wealthy off the federal government, he's going to have to look within his own party. And, and, and there's others. I'm not saying there's, there's no Republicans, but, I mean, the Obamas came to D.C. not very wealthy, and they left uh, buying houses where? At Martha's Vineyard which is a peculiar place to want to buy a house given that sea levels are going to wipe the thing out in 10 years. Anyway, I just have a problem with this. Again, if someone feels the need to do it, but to say that it's a requirement and that it violates the emoluments clause is not what our founders wanted. Meanwhile, we have politicians who are literally, literally coming to D.C. with next to nothing and leaving as millionaires, people who've given their whole lives to quote-unquote public services, and they're now... They're now millionaires selling books about their insider information in D.C. to become millionaires. Like Bernie Sanders is a millionaire. I've got no problems with millionaires. I have problems with people lecturing us about how we become a millionaire in the private sector. Meanwhile, they're literally becoming millionaires off of the public sector, out of their service to Washington, D.C. It's laughable if you think about it. I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, I was thinking here during the break, and yes, your comments on Facebook sometimes literally make me LOL, laugh out loud here on the 
on the program. Um, but I was thinking, in addition to laughing at a couple of things that I that Oz had read to me during the break, but I was reminded of my time back in, in school. So this was 120 years ago when I was uh, at Butler University, and we were talking about the role of, of government. We were actually talking about the state of Indiana's uh, – yeah, one of my professors wanted politicians to – you know, elected officials to be full-time. Like this – they need to be tending to the business of the, of the state full-time, year-round. They shouldn't have sessions. This should be a, you know, an ongoing thing. It's, it's an antiquated notion, she would say, that these folks are able to uh, you know, actually have sessions and not just be in constant session. And I disagreed with this as a 20-whatever-I-was, 20-year-old kid. And I just remember, you know, talking about this, debating this with her or others. You know, the founders did not want, deliberately did not want a political class, right? They didn't, they didn't want a political class. They didn't want people who were in Washington, D.C. or the State House constantly. They wanted people who ha- – they, they wanted people who had businesses, Right, I mean, they wanted people who practiced law or who were farmers like Mike Bloomberg. They wanted folks who knew what was going on in their communities, who were operating a business or involved in the market there, right, in the local community. And then you would come to Washington, D.C. or come to the State House for a session, for a session to, you know, to, to address issues that you may have you know, become aware of or familiar with during your time in you know, working your business or whatever it was that you were doing. That's the idea. You don't have a political class that's looking at these things from the Washington, D.C. bubble. And I can tell you from having lived there as a, you know, when I was on campus at American University, for those of you who haven't lived there, it is an absolute bubble. Reality escapes that place like no other place that I've been. And the idea that you have to give up everything that you've worked for in order to fill a role in our government, whatever that role is, is not the intent of the founders. I understand you have to protect against conflicts of interest. I, I get all that. But the, you know the best way to get away get, – to do away with corruption in politics is to get get rid of – Corrupt politicians. Corruption requires corrupt individuals. That's what it requires. <clears throat> Just because someone can do something doesn't mean that they that they will unless we allow them and then there's, there's no consequence and so forth, which is really what we've seen for some time. Anyway, but the whole concept that you have to sell your business and you know in order to go somewhere and, and, and then to lord over them from a distance is not what the founders envisioned. They wanted you. They wanted the Americans to stay involved in their local communities, know what was going on there, operate their business as usual, and then go for a short season to address some of the issues that they would have become you know familiar with along the along the way. Gotta take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. So debate tonight, debate tonight in Las Vegas for Nevada. Nevada will actually have its caucus on Saturday. 
Bloomberg's not going to win because Bloomberg's not on the ballot, but yet Bloomberg is surging in the polls, even though some of these old these old things that are coming up have definitely, <laughs> definitely harmed the guy. My goodness. Farmers, stop and frisk, you know, 95-year-olds that, um, as we shared yesterday, he's told to basically just go die quietly instead of getting treated for cancer or whatever. So we'll have some things to talk about tomorrow in the wake of this debate, moving headlong into the Nevada caucus this weekend. So until then, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow. SDG. Take care.